And we welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala. We are coming back for a beginning of the week episode. Mitch, a lot of stuff happening this weekend, man, and a lot of things going to be happening this coming week. It's good to see you again. Um, we're going to get into some of the emotional moments of this past weekend here very soon. But for right now, I think we're going to stick to some more neutral and safer stuff, if that's okay with you. Hey, that is a okay with me, Mitch, because we are now entering in win or go home time. And that is all that that is at the forefront of most important topics we're going to cover here today on the show. Absolutely. And before we get into the show, we want to remind you guys that, uh, of course, here on YouTube, you can like subscribe and hit the bell or you can go over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts and uh, SoundCloud. That's where you can find our audio only podcasts, except for Spotify. Spotify, you can actually uh, watch the videos as I hit my windscreen there. Um you know, you can also go to our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com, because we have two uh, uh, big games here coming up on Big Time Sports for the start of the upcoming OHSAA State Football Playoffs. And then, of course, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala, at BTS Ohio on Twitter, and I think Big Time Sports Ohio elsewhere. So, Mitch, we are now down to it. We're in the uh, the thick of the fall season. It's starting to get colder. It's starting to get windier. A lot of the teams now will be uh, uh warming themselves up, uh, wearing sleeves, getting the, uh, the the hand warmers and feet warmers ready to go because we have state football time. The final listings were announced on Sunday, and a lot of the uh, uh, schools that we see throughout the Stark and Tuscarawas County areas will be a part of these playoffs, and a lot of them actually going up against each other early on in these uh, in the opening round games. Yeah, no, it's first off, it's great to see all these area teams qualify and make the OHSA state playoff tournament. Um, obviously, more teams are going to get in since they expanded the first round of 16 teams back in 2020. And to your point, some of these teams that have already played each other this year or are very familiar with each other going up against each other in the first round, which makes for some very entertaining games. And Mitch, the one thing you got to remember, it does not matter what seed these teams are. The records go out the window. It's a brand new season because we can see We've seen it before. You'll see some of these top-seeded teams get upset just because they come in and, and don't take it seriously. A team that has nothing to lose and is hungry is sometimes the most dangerous team there is. For sure. I mean, you look at a team in the Star County, for example, like Maslin Washington, who came off that amazing victory in Week 10 over McKinley. And Maslin has just been riding this nine-game winning streak since they lost early on in the season. They ended up stumping the Bulldogs after after them recovering their year pretty much. Uh, the, uh, and and Maslin now is one of the hottest teams going into the tournament. What has it been about the Tigers specifically that's been able to get them past so many of their opponents, specifically those in Stark? Well, I think a lot of it has to do, Mitch, with what has happened to Maslin in the past couple of years, right? They have fallen short of their goal, which is ultimately a state championship, which is what the goal is for Maslin every year. We saw them two consecutive years get to the state championship game and lose to Akron Hoban. We've seen them other years, just like last year, meet Green in the regional semifinals and slip up to a team in Stark County like that. I think this is a team that returned a lot of lettermen. Nate Moore's there and realizes that, yes, the first goal is to obviously qualify, which Masson does a tremendous job of doing every year. The next goal is to handle the game in terms of high school football, which is Masson McKinley. And then finally, his objective is to get a state championship and bring it back here to Stark County to the city of Maslin. He has yet to do that. And I think that what you've seen from Maslin since that week one loss to Cincinnati Moeller, who is another powerhouse here in the state of Ohio in Division One, is 
they corrected their mistakes and they have not looked back. And not only have they not looked back, they've beaten some very impressive and very talented teams to the likes of St. Ed's way back when I believe that was week four or five early in the season. But Mitch, they haven't looked back and there's teams on the flip side that started out very hot and they go limping into the postseason. And that is kind of what you could say for the first round matchup of what Maslin has this week in Perry. But I know we're going to get on, get into those matchups a little deeper here with all these schools in our respective areas, but Maslin has looked like a team on a mission and they don't show any signs of slowing up. Indeed. Maslin uh, will take on Perry, as we mentioned uh, in the opening playoff game in uh, Maslin on Washington's side at Paul Brown Stadium. As for McKinley, they will be uh, the one of the top seeds in Division One Region 1. Actually, they're the sixth seed uh, mm-hmm. now that I mention it. They will take on Canton Glen Oak, uh, another uh, Federal League rival in that one, which will be interesting because McKinley we mentioned it. They got off to that rough start, kind of playing some kind of out there opponents. They come back to conference play. They do very well. I mean, where do you see McKinley kind of stacking up against their Canton counterparts and the Eagles in a first round matchup like this? Well, this is a backyard brawl, Mitch. These teams are both in Canton. Obviously Glen Oak is in the township of plain. These are two teams that met just two weeks ago though, right? They went, they met in week nine, and McKinley handled them pretty well, but then just last week you saw Glen Oak come storming into Perry and knock off the Panthers. And just Glen Oak really, Mitch, has been a very streaky team all year, a very young team. They have the speed and athleticism and size to give McKinley fits, but you have to remember in the back of the players' minds for Glen Oak, are, there, are they thinking, oh, we just played this team two weeks ago and look what they did to us? And on McKinley flip side, they have completely righted their season. I know they just ended the regular season with a loss, but this is a team that started 0-4, and there were so many question marks for the Bulldogs. There was question marks at the coaching position, the roster, who was playing what and where, and they have figured it out. Now, obviously, they went up and they lost to Maslin 23-13 to in a pretty close game, and, and McKinley had an opportunity at the end if they would have got the two-point conversion, eight-point game, they would have gone for the onside kick. Who knows what happens, but... McKinley is a team that righted the ship. And now as a six seed, Mitch, I think they are one of the most dangerous teams in division one region one, because I think they're a lot better than what that five and five record shows. But for Glen Oak, they have nothing to lose. They're going to go in there. They're going to throw their best punch and they're going to try anything they can to knock off the Bulldogs here in the first round of the playoffs and, and see if, if they can advance too. And I, I have a very strong gut feeling that we're going to meet here again on Monday to review the playoff matchups And maybe not Glen Oak, but we're going to be talking about some teams in the area that got upset and sent home early. And at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if Glen Oak somehow came out and surprised all of Stark County. Quite possibly. And before we get into that, the last time the Bulldogs and Eagles faced off was, uh, I believe, just last week. It was uh, uh, Glen Oak losing to McKinley 42-7. That game, I believe, was in uh, uh, Tom Benson. So we shall see a a repeat of the same matchup. Not necessarily a repeat of the same result. We don't know that until this coming Friday. Uh, as far as the rest of the start goes, you see Green taking on Big Walnut uh, as a lower seed. So they'll be one of the Stark teams that are on the road this week per the opening round rules. You also have Hoover. Uh, I was just about to say uh, we have Lake hosting Scioto and then Hoover taking on Licking Heights, which is one of our BTS games of the week. That is correct. You'll have Joe Dunn and Troy Richardson there at North Canton Hoover where the Vikings will host Licking Heights in a first-round playoff matchup, and it should be a very entertaining game. Hoover coming off that emotional 14-7 to win over Jackson during rivalry week in a very fun game. Obviously, scoring came at a premium. The defenses showed up, but 
some big time moments that came down to the last play and Hoover got the stop they needed before Jackson potentially would have had one shot at the end zone from the 17 yard line. Hoover is a team though, led by quarterback Carson Derlin, Mitch, just the junior, a division one recruit. He's already been on a couple D one visits. He was our eye cryo player of the game in week 10. The Vikings have really leaned on him here later down the road towards the end of the season, especially when they lost one of the running backs heading in to week 10 against Jackson. Derlin didn't do it all through the air. He did more of his damage on the ground against Jackson. I think that's an element a lot of teams have not seen yet this year, which in my opinion bodes well for Hoover, not only because I think you see in the seating they are ranked higher for a reason, but because they do have a lot of talent, and Derlin has shown you as a big passing quarterback, he can get out, move, move the pocket, but also pick up first downs with his legs when needed. He's a very talented quarterback, and it's going to be fun to watch him, not only for how long as Hoover goes this postseason, but next year as a senior, what he can do at Hoover. Yeah, the Vikings are at number six right now, going in at seven and three compared to Licking Heights' five and five record, number 11 seeding. And uh, speaking of Region 7, a team from my area is actually in that bracket, the Dover Crimson Tornadoes, who are currently listed as number 10. They finished the year at five and five. They will take on number seven, Columbus St. Francis DeSales, uh, who are five and four on the year. Now, Dover is coming off a very tough loss to New Philadelphia in the rivalry game this past weekend. Uh, 21 to 20 in overtime. The big difference being uh, a point after kick by Nathaniel Demuth, one of the top kickers in the area for the Quakers in a game that was very, very interesting. J.J. Barton having a huge game for the Tornado, scoring two early touchdowns and then getting the score to put Dover up initially in OT. But New Philadelphia, man, that defense just does something to certain teams. Didn't get it done against West Holmes. They got it done against their rivals, which was more important, I would say. And now the, the Quakers go into the Division Three Region 9 postseason. They're going to have to travel a ways away, and they're going to have to take on a very good team in Canfield, who is eight and 8-1. They're the number two seed behind Chardon in that bracket. Now the Quakers are at 6-4, and four, number 15. It'll be tough. It'll be tough. If New Philadelphia's defense really comes to play and puts up some of those single-digit performances like we've seen in the this year, uh, we saw a couple of shutouts as well. Then Mike Johnson's squad might be able to sneak out with a vi playoff victory before they go to the next round. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be tough. And Dover's also on the road, too. Dover takes on uh, St. Francis de Sales, uh, not on a neutral site. So we shall see what uh, the Dan F. squad will be able to do in trying to get a victory because it's kind of been a very up and down year for them. Similar to Jackson also, who was in the playoffs this year. Or no, excuse me. But uh, it was kind of like a binary one, two, one, two, one, two. As far as the rest of the um, areas uh, teams go, more so in your area too, we also have the division four region 13 playoffs. Salem plays at Canton South and Streetsboro plays at Northwest. Now in region uh, 14, Shelby will be playing at number two, West Holmes. West Holmes finishing off that undefeated regular season for the second consecutive year, as did Garraway. Garraway is our uh, uh, Big Ten Big Time Sports Game of the Week. It'll be Dave Sheets, myself, along with Hall of Fame coach Ron Hurst this coming Friday. And look, the Pirates offense has just been steamrolling local opponents and even teams from out in other places this year. Their closest win was a touchdown game against Bel Air in week one. Since then, they've been very, very dominant. They shut out Ridgewood this past week. Ridgewood's no joke. They're in the playoffs as well this year. Garraway is the team for me out of my area is they're the team that is going to, I believe have the longest run into the postseason at this point. It could be Dover as well. It could be maybe, maybe uh Ridgewood can make a possible run, but Garraway for my money 
is the team to is the team to look out for from Tuscarawas County. Of course, we also have uh, some other schools. Philo taking on Indian Valley in Janaden. That'll be in Region 15. You also have uh, Carrollton and Cambridge sneaking in as well. And then Canton Valley in the Division 7 Region 25 playoffs. I wrote these down in Roman numerals and I had to remember my Roman numerals. They will take on Hillsdale. So we will take a quick break before we go to there. What do you guys think will be the most interesting matchup of the, uh, the high school football playoffs week one of the 2022 season. And before we go to break, I want to just shout out to the old alma mater. They're not in the playoffs this year, Mitch. We don't have the luxury of, of, uh, you know, some of the schools in your area, in your alma mater making these great runs, but Shout out to the Strasburg Tigers, man. They finally got their first win on the season, 26 to 14 last week over Central. That's kind of our rivalry game in a sense. And, you know, both teams didn't have a great year this season, but good for Strasburg, man. I'm, I'm just happy for, for Coach Tom Spidell's sake. He had to take over midway through the year. For the players, you got one. And I really do hope that the program keeps growing uh, in the future. So we will take a quick break and we'll come back right after these messages. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And we come back to you here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show, Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala. So, Mitch, I actually went uh, shopping the other day, uh, or this morning, rather. I got this hat here from, from Lids for $25. I got it on sale. You see that? Isn't that a nice hat? It, it is. I, I like it. 
Yeah, I like it. I like it too. I, I can't I can't do this. I can't do this anymore, man. You're gonna be angrier than me, but <sighs> Browns lost yesterday 23 to 20 to the Baltimore Ravens. Look, I think we both picked Baltimore to uh to beat Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken, but it's the same problems every week, it feels like at this point. And it's the definition, and it, it really is the definition of insanity at this point. Where I, I'm almost starting to, I'm almost starting to play a game of Mad Libs with with Kevin Stefanski's press conferences because it's the same six things I can write down every single time, and I can expect from him. It's like, it's like a tough game, uh, you know, when your opponents uh, get after you like that, and your offense just doesn't come together. Uh, well, we just gotta get better, and uh, you know, we'll come back next week. We're gonna look at it, and. Uh, you know, with that, I'll take any questions. It's the same, same thing. And I've commended Kevin Stefanski in the past for for bringing an air of professionalism as the head coach. It obviously shows more when you're winning, but you know, if if a team's not doing great, then you can kind of respect that in a way. But it doesn't seem like the pro any of any of the problems, not just one or two problems, any of the problems are being solved with the start that the Browns have had. They are still having some issues with. The issues used to be with the defense for the first couple weeks of the year. I would actually say the defense might have had one of their better games this year, yesterday in Baltimore. But if it's not blowing your coverages, if it's not blo- uh, uh, not getting your tackles down, it's the penalties. It's the stupid penalties. And I know the one penalty came from via the offense that we're going to talk about, but it's the same stuff every week that is the difference between you not winning these close games that you're into. The only, remember, the only loss that the Browns have had so far this year that's been in kind of a blowout was against New England. That's just because the team gave up during the fourth quarter. The rest of them, all been close. Even the wins have been close. And Mitch, you need to, you need, you're going to, I know you're going to need to get it all out or you're going to explode. So I'm just going to give the rest of the time to you for a little bit. The funny thing is, Mitch, I don't. I have to get anything out or I'm going to explode. Really? I'm not going to explode because I told you weeks ago, um, this team wasn't going anywhere. I said before the season, this team wasn't going anywhere yesterday. You lost the game in a new fashion yesterday. You lost strictly off special teams. Actually, if you go through and look at all the, <clears throat> I'm talking as a strictly NFL fan. I'm not talking about what the Cleveland Browns think they have to do to win uh, football games. Analytics. If you go back, the Browns played a better game offensively and defensively than the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, giving up a 50 plus yard punt return to Duvernay right. completely swung momentum. Your special teams is horrid. I believe it ranks 25th in the NFL, which I can't believe there are seven other teams in the NFL that have worse special teams than the Cleveland Browns. It's the same thing over and over, Mitch. And I told you last week, it's insanity because they keep doing it over and over expecting a different result. And it's not going to change. It's not going to change. And we play the Baltimore Ravens tough every time because we have drafted and, and signed players in the defensive side of the ball to be able to stop, contain, and eventually, maybe, maybe eventually, beat Lamar Jackson. That's why the game was tough. Lamar Jackson right here, Mitch, 9 of 16. He threw the ball 16 times yeah. for 120 yards. And you're in that game. Now, were there some things that affected you in losing that game? You can put the blame elsewhere, but I don't think you look anywhere else than the first drive out of the locker room in the second half for the Browns, where we went three pass plays and Jacoby Brissett fumbled. Yeah. Uh, you have Nick Chubb, who is the best running back in football. I feel like I've said that every week so far. Uh, oh, okay. 16 carries this week for 91 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Look at and that. 16. 
16. Uh, Brissett threw the ball 27 times. So not nearly as big as the gap of last week against New England. And yes, obviously, I know the Browns were down last week by a wide margin. They had to pass a little more, but still no reason when you're only down six at halftime to New England. I picked the Ravens to win. The penalties are killer. The penalties, I don't necessarily agree with that were called. I think there's times the Browns get get away or get right. called for penalties that are rightfully should be called. The Amari Cooper offensive pass interference yesterday, one, he didn't need to push off. Two, no. he did extend his arm, but it it happens every week and it doesn't yeah. get called. And he admitted it in the postgame, yeah. yeah. It happens against the Browns and it, it doesn't get called. <laughs> and the referees are never going to help out this organization. And anybody out there can have their theory on why does the NFL have it in for the Browns? Is it because we've made this trade for Watson and it's this, this figure that's so polarizing because it's torn a fan base apart? I don't know. Then you have the offensive, the false start on the snap, which made no sense at all. Well, like, okay. Was the issue that the center lifted the ball a little bit and that's what drew them? Is that what what happened there? I'm assuming you were at, you were up, up at work yesterday during this game. And so they yes. brought on Gene Steratore, Yep. who, by the way, I like Gene Steratore way yeah. more than Mike Piera on Fox. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, Mike, my, as well. My whole thing is Calais Campbell, and I cannot think of it all of a sudden, there was two defensive linemen that jumped, and you saw Jed Wills move, okay, right? That's a neutral zone infraction. That's yes. offsides. So be it. The center can, can move the ball like that, okay? He obviously put his head down to look back to make sure the placeholder was ready, Make sure Cade York told the placeholder he was ready. They called the false start on Michael Dunn, who yep. was the guard on the other side of the football. Gene Steratore said, because he is one and a half persons away and on the other side of the ball, because he moved after you saw the Ravens move, it's therefore a false start. I have never heard that before in my life. I haven't either. That is the biggest BS I've ever heard. Like that right there was just, it told me that the Browns weren't one supposed to win that game and two, that maybe the NFL does have it in for us. If you go back and look at the wide angle replay of it, as soon as Campbell and this other defensive lineman jump off sides, you see the safe man for the Ravens in the back of the field goal blocker. He was the safe man. Just immediately bend over backwards and put his hands on his head because he knows that the Ravens just jumped off sides to make it a shorter field goal attempt for the Browns. Yep. It looked like John Harbaugh pleaded his case and the, Officials went with what he said. Kevin Stefanski, I never see plead with the officials, but it was just a bogus call. No need for it. I don't, uh, a lot of people liked it. I don't like Cade York going. It was going in if it wasn't tipped because we will never know. I like the confidence he has to say it was going in. The Browns should never been in that spot, Mitch. I don't know how Kevin Stefanski thinks it is a good idea to not have your best player on your entire team on the field at any moment of the game, especially when it's third and two. Would you take Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland off the floor if you needed a basket with under 24 seconds to win or tie the game, Mitch? I wouldn't wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, well, that's basically what he does. On third and two, and the drive before, when you cut it from a 10-point deficit to a 7-point deficit, you pounded it down the Ravens' throats. Okay. I want to get... Yeah, go ahead. Does this man think he is smarter than everybody on the football field. He is a great play caller. He is probably one of the best at scripting plays to start a game. That's why the Browns typically get points on the first drive of the game. He is not good at realizing what the team is good at. This is a team that loves to run the football, and you did it without your all-pro guard and Wyatt Teller yesterday, and you still did it at a very high level. Yeah, And you took him off the, off the field on third and two with the two-minute warning still and one timeout in your back pocket. 
Yeah. And that to me was the only big thing that I have an issue with. And it's a, it's getting, it's been nice here in Ohio this past few past week or so. It's nice again today outside as we're recording this. Uh, and I feel like the seat is only getting hotter and it's only a matter of time. And if they lose Monday to the Bengals, I already said the season was over, but the nail is officially hammered into the coffin right, right. now. The nail, the point of the nail is in the coffin. You just need the hammer and the Bengals are, are the hammer and they can nail that nail into the coffin and yes. literally put the season to bed. I agree. Uh, as far as the season and we'll, and I'll get to my rant in a second, as far as the season goes, the only thing that's keeping it kind of up for me is that the Steelers do have the same record as us right now after last night's loss to Miami. And that's another thing too. That was another game where the analytics kind of bothered people. I think it was Rich Eisen who tweeted something about how he, he, he some people thought he came off as a crotchety old man, but it is kind of the thing where analytics now are, are, are making a lot of guys go for it on like these fourth and short situations, which Stefanski has been kind of known for now. And a lot of it just hasn't been, I, I don't know if a lot of it has been fruitful. I'd have to go actually look at the numbers, but when your team gets it, it only ample doesn't get the first down. It only amplifies the decisions of what are we doing here? Uh, but as far as like the last two drives, official drives, because the game ended on a fumble, you have Nick Chubb go down there. And I think, what was it? One, two, three runs, three big runs for the team of 12. I'm sorry. Yeah. 12, 12 and 22 yards. And that was the best the Browns offense had looked since their their opener. And then you get to the next one after you force that great fumble, a great pickup by Isaiah Thomas, who actually had a pretty standout game yesterday for not being much of a factor the first six weeks of the year. Brissett had a couple of uh, points there. I mean, he had the, the pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones on third and five, which again, it's like I was already just sort of frustrated by uh, the team's decision to not run on the first two downs, they ran on second down, not on first for the opener because Brissett threw an incomplete to Chubb and then they had to like go for it on third. And it's just like, mm. but mm-hmm. then you still have to get the two minute warning. You're not there yet. You have second and nine after the short pass, Dave, but why it's on third and two. Why are we just launching it downfield when you could just, use one of your top running backs and just slip through for a first down, or at least just throw a simple short pass. You have so much time to work with there. And I know the penalty kind of put them in a tough spot on third and 12, where you have to have Brissett scramble and, and panic and do whatever. And then of course the penalty just put, it puts Cade York in a tough spot. This We're putting in, a, we're putting a rookie in his first seven weeks in the NFL in three tough positions to win football games. The first one he came through, give him props. Second one, Probably shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. He had already struggled that day. And then this third one, I just feel like we're doing everything to kind of throw off his psyche because it didn't seem like he was going through this sort of stuff at LSU. I don't wasn't. know. Well, it, it, the whole insanity thing, Mitch, is this is literally this this whole two-minute drill, but we'll just say obviously it was a little more than two minutes, is the same exact thing that happened against the Chargers. We threw deep where we had no business throwing deep, and then you automatically alt you you handcuffed yourself to the play call that you had to have them because you didn't convert there and you did it again here yeah. if the ravens stop nick chubb on third and two let alone on fourth and two they earned it. it they earned it you go down with your best player on the field at all times and i don't understand it <sighs> and meanwhile you have kareem hunt and, and yes i'm going to steal this from jim Do- jim donovan who i listened to this morning who has wasted his career here now five carries yesterday 
Yep. Five carries. And you tout yourself as, oh, we have the best running backs in the NFL. Well, obviously you don't think so because Kareem Hunt had five carries for four yards and a touchdown. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't get it. Um, and there's still people out there that want to fight for Stefanski and I get it. And if he wants to call these plays when Deshaun Watson's back there, great. Because I trust Deshaun Watson. I have never trusted Jacoby Brissett at all once we right. signed him. And I've been very vocal about that. But the Browns could have saved their season by beating Baltimore and, and Cincinnati. And yes, they still have a shot to save their season if they beat Cincinnati on Monday night. Um, but it's a long shot. They came into today while we're recording this with a 6% chance to make the playoffs. They are the third worst team record-wise in the AFC after all the tiebreakers. The Texans are the worst at 1-5-1. and one. The Steelers are next at 2-5. and five, And the only reason they're worse than you is because you beat them head-to-head. Right. That, so you are the third worst team in the AFC. And I believe right now, if I'm not mistaken, the Texans would possess two of the top five picks in the draft because they have a first round pick. Mm-hmm. We're not a bottom. We're not supposed to be a bottom five team in the NFL to a point where you have a top five draft pick. Yeah. But, and I don't think we'll end up in the top five, but it, it's it's kind of it's like, oh, well, kind of giving it, them. Well, a, it's not looking promising with your next. No, few games. no. But it, it, I, I feel like once you get the Watson thing back and that's where I kind of want to get at with. I think Donovan might add this, too, is that. At this point, you kind of are just kind of looking forward to the six games you're going to get with Watson. It's almost like a trial run for 2023. Mm-hmm. I think that Stefanski survives 2022. What I wonder is if he survives midway through 2023, if the Browns offense is still kind of sputtering and not making the right moves to uh, s- spread out, to to allow the offense to flow well against opposing defenses. If, uh, if there aren't any offseason moves to possibly change up the personnel whether you want to to whether he wants to hand the play calling reins to somebody else or you get new defensive uh, uh coaches get new special teams coaches i mean i don't know how long joe woods and mike prefer have on, on the browns i'm still surprised joe woods is still yeah. employed but but the defense played better yesterday i will give them that they they rushed uh jackson a couple times they had some good plays in the secondary it was better than just some of the nonsense we've been seeing that being said I'm I'm starting to be like you. I'm starting to think Kevin Stefanski is on the hot seat. I know you were already there long before me, but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of in the middle, and I think that next year is definitely going to determine if Stefanski is the solution and not the problem. I think the six games with Deshaun Watson is going to determine it. Okay. And I say, I say it this way. There was a coach we hired back in 2013, and I believe we were four and three after seven weeks. It was Rob Chudzinski. And our roster was not good, Mitch. If you compared that roster to this roster, it was not even close. They fired him, though, because they said he lost the locker room in the last, what, eight games of the season? Yeah. Mitch, I'm afraid he's already lost the locker room because you got to go back and look at it like this. These issues have been here now for two years. I'm only counting 2021. Well, it was Odell and Baker. The chemistry was off. So we got rid of Odell. Yeah, I saw your tweet, yeah. It was Baker. You know, it's well, we got rid of Baker. And then, well, Jarvis was friends with Odell, so we got rid of Jarvis. Uh, there's only one common denominator left and it could be Stefanski. It could be somebody else. It could be miles Garrett for all we know. We're not in that locker room. Maybe it's Joel Batonio. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's Joel Batonio, but if this team does not win another game till Watson gets back, those six, those last six games with Deshaun Watson, that's it. If they lose games, the way they lost to the char- chargers last year, that 47 to 42 game where the offense was really, really good but the defense was the reason you lost. I think Stefanski's safe, but if you go in and you lose games with Deshaun Watson, your offensive guys are still healthy, like Nick Chubb in your offensive line, and you're not putting up 
way more points than what you're averaging right now, he's gone. He has to be gone. And everybody out there, who are you going to hire? Everyone wants to say Sean Payton right away. Sure, that's the first big name you know out there. People, do you know how many people or how many candidates will be chomping at the bit to coach Deshaun Watson with Nick Chubb as his running back, with Miles Garrett as your rusher on one side of the defensive line, with Denzel Ward, if he's still healthy? There will be, and we know Jimmy Haslam will open up the pocketbook. We know he will do it. He just did it for Deshaun Watson, for a guy who can't even play this year except for six games. They will pay somebody to come coach this team. And no coach has made it more than three years since Jimmy Haslam has bought this team. And this is Stefanski's third year, and this is as bad as it's ever looked with Kevin Stefanski. And the, it, the as of today, I'll be shocked if Kevin Stefanski is the head coach of 2023, 24. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be stunned. Wow. I'll say it right now. I, I personally think he's done. Another bold prediction from uh, from Ballo over there. We got four mm-hmm. winnable games, I think, in the Watson um, trial run. That's what I'm going to call it. You got Houston, New Orleans, Washington, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, and, three of those are on the road. That's going to be t- going to be tough regardless. And then you got Cincinnati and the two games you're missing. The two games you're missing are two other home games against uh, Baltimore and the Saints, which. Those are home games. You know your defense can play well against the Ravens. They've done oh, it now. No, no, no. Cincinnati's on the road. I lied. I guess out of those three, I should have mentioned the four winnable games because oh, Cincinnati okay. next week is at home. Yep. But you do play Baltimore in late, or maybe it's November. It's December. It's December, it's yeah. December, yeah. So there really should be no excuse there, Mitch. If you have Watson back and he, even if he plays 50% of what he's capable of, knocking off Russ still, I still think a 50%. Deshaun Watson is better than Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Your defense should keep you in that game because they've they've kept you in a game now three three straight games and you're one and two. You had four interceptions off Lamar Jackson last year in Baltimore and still didn't win. And now you got the upgrade you want. You had the shiny new toy. If they lose that game in, in blowout fashion, that should be it right there. That should be your big red flag because there should be no reason a team could come in here and game plan for a quarterback who has not played in almost over two years. When you have the offense that you have, and the running game that you have, but that's for another story. But the Browns, Mitch, is the Browns. I'm not. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to. He's 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 thriving in Kansas City. I'm not going to give Juju Smith Schuster that satisfaction. He's doing what he has to do, bandwagoning his way to an AFC championship. All right, so we'll take another break. Come back and uh, get in some of the uh, the NBA, some positive Cleveland sports, Mitch. Because these Cavaliers, man, right after this. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. 
The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for Introduction to Beekeeping, Basic Small Engine Repair, and Sign Language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. And we've come back to you here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Ballow. Real quick, Mitch, before we get into uh, our next segment here, there was a report from ESPN's Adam Schefter that says that Browns tight end David Njoku is going to be out two to five weeks expected with an injury. So that's more awesome piled on top of more awesome that has been the Cleveland Browns 2022 season. Let's get away from that, though. Let's get into basketball because we are officially into the basketball season now. And since our uh, NBA preview episode and our last regular episode, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers have gotten in three basketball games to their regular season. Two and one on the year, Mitch. The Cavaliers are two and one on the season. But right now, you would think with the with the sort of vibrance from the from the fandom right now that the team has been three and zero oh, and they've won their last three games by combined ninety points because. There's something really nice brewing with this Cavalier team that honestly, for myself, might even elevate the expectations I had of a top five or six East seed. If they keep this going, they could be easily be uh, uh, one of the serious contenders in the East. There's no doubt about it. And they are so fun to watch. And they are two and one in that one loss. Uh, give credit to Toronto. They play a different style of basketball. They're gritty. They're defense. They're defensive they're all up in your face but you also have to wonder if Darius Garland plays it all in the second half it's a different result right and yes if you are unaware because maybe you don't know basketball is going on Garland did get hurt in the first half against Toronto uh got hit in the eye significantly to a point where it was swollen shut for a few days he has not played since and the Cavs have won both games without him and that's what you expect them to do now when you have a player like Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell has been a treat Mitch I know that as soon as I believe just the first game against Toronto where they had a shot to win it at the end. 
my dad the next morning, you know, talking to him, he said, made a comedy. He goes, I didn't realize he was that good. And it's like, how, how would you though? We don't have NBA TV here, at least in this household. And he also played in Utah. We were never staying up till nine or 10 o'clock at night to watch the Utah jazz play basketball. He is a three-time all-star. He is as good as advertised. And I have a hard time believing that just through three games, there's anybody out there still that is saying we should have never traded Colin Sexton for him. Um, he, he is phenomenal. And you have to look at it this way too. Potentially your best player in terms of projectability and Evan Mobley hasn't even played a great game yet. And, and taking that big step that you expect a player of his, his, his level and stature to take in year two. I mean, last night, Mitch, we were talking before we recorded the show, just two shots made. I yeah. think he only had seven attempts and you have to imagine he's going to get going. And I made the comment. I think he will get going once you have two dominant ball handlers that can score at will and Garland and Mitchell at the same time. But how about Jetty Osman? This is a guy yeah. I was way down on a year or two ago, and he has taken the Kevin Love approach. He accepted his role, and he is flourishing in it. Uh, what, 16 points last night? He is, I, I don't want to say it's only three games, but he's looked like a sniper from behind the arc. He's making plays. He brings that energy off the bench. So him and Kevin Love now off the bench with whoever it is that doesn't start at the three, whether it's a Coro uh, or Lavert, who have both been extremely underwhelming so far, in my opinion. It's a very good second unit you have and it'll only get better once you get the likes of Ricky Rubio healthy to come back once the new year rolls around this team is exciting it's fun and this is a team that last year Mitch does not beat the Wizards last night that if they played a game like that last year when we did not have Donovan Mitchell I truly don't know if the Cavaliers get that game to overtime and it says a lot about this team though what Donovan Mitchell's already bought into a J.B. Bickerstaff the second night of a back-to-back traveling from Chicago to Cleveland for your home opener and they played great, and Donovan Mitchell played a lot of minutes, and now they get a night off before they welcome in the Orlando Magic, but this team is fun to watch, and it took a lot of attention away from the Cleveland Browns, and just based off talking around, I, I think, to you and I and our friends and family, I think a lot of people are looking for that distraction to leave the Cleveland Browns right now. We had it with the Guardians, and now the Cavs are here now that the guards are eliminated, and I am so excited for these next 79 games. Yes, I'm counting down. Absolutely. I mean, right. You mentioned it. Uh, Cavaliers are the offense looks so quick. And and to be fair, um, last night, even Mitchell after the game had an apology for keeping the team around longer than they needed to because they were up uh, by a few points yeah. late in the game. And then, of course, two costly turnovers from Spida mm-hmm. uh, send the game into overtime. He doesn't make that open three, but he engineers uh, an overtime him and Jetty, who looks like a sixth man of the year candidate right now, averaging 16 points a game, 57 percent. From the three-point line, uh, Jetty is right now. So it's really fascinating to see how we, how well he's looked offensively. And as for the rest of the team, Mobley just gotta you know keep focusing on rebounds, but you know get your shots. And once Starling comes back, I think it'll refine the offense and give him more opportunities down low. Jarrett Allen looks everything like the defensive player of the year pick you had in our NBA preview because the man is blocking shots. He's getting around the floor so quickly. And even though he cannot shoot with his left hand to save his life, he is a solid post presence in the East. He, he is really uh, delighting me right now, the way he plays. And I, I personally think that the left shot, he was never great at it to begin with. Let me put that no. out there. That is the, if I'm not mistaken, that is the hand that he hurt and he tried to come back and play through in the playing game against Atlanta last year. 
Um, and, and I won't forget it because I actually went to that game and I remember him coming out and nobody knew. No, it was up in the air. It was a game time decision. He comes running out and that place erupted. This is his role now. He can score, Mitch. He can he can definitely score. We saw it last year driving down the lane, throwing the ball up to him. You saw it last night going up and just being underneath the hoop and put back dunks. But now when you add the other element of Spida, I think Jared Allen can finally kind of embrace that mean center role and get the rebounds, do a lot of the dirty work without realize, or without having to think I'm the third option. Because right now he's the fourth, fifth, sixth option, depending on what the rotations look like for the, for the Cavs. And it's eventually going to take a lot of pressure off Evan Mobley because to draft a player like Evan Mobley, that is usually a franchise player. And I still think he's your franchise, what you're going to build around. That's no slight at any of the other players in this team. It's just you have a, a potential, you have a once in a generation player again. It takes a lot of pressure off him knowing that he doesn't have to be the guy down low. That's the last line of defense. If a guy gets by him, well, guess what? There's a guy that's a couple inches bigger than him at the rim waiting for somebody. And that has to make him feel great. But I, I, I'm so excited for Garland to get back and, and be healthy and be able to see out of both eyes because when those four are on the floor together and once that chemistry does build a little bit more, Mitch, you're right. We're talking about maybe not a six seed. We're talking about potentially a three or four seed in the East. And I can't wait and still 79 games to go. But I will be the bad guy here. How long is the leash on Isaac Okor? Because right now, the one thing he was supposed to get better at, remember we drafted this guy from Auburn, undersized wing player. Right. He was a defensive stopper. All we need him to do, though, is sit in the corner on offense and make threes. And Mitch, so far, he's been extremely underwhelming. He has, air, he has missed some shots very, very, very bad. Yeah. May, may I add? But how long is the leash on him? Because this is a team... Like the Browns, when you talk about them, the oh, they're wasting the prime years of Chubb and 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 Garrett and Ward. You don't want to sit around and wait too long. I know it's the first year these guys are together, but you you still want to try to capitalize at every opportunity you have because through three games, it's pretty obvious that the glaring weakness of this team is still the small forward position. Well, this is coming. He's had three rough offensive games to start off the year, combined four points. Uh, I believe he's two of 10 from the field right now, which is in contrast to his last two preseason appearances in which he uh, scored a combined 33 points and was 13 of 16 from the floor. I think he's he's capable of doing so. I think he's just so focused in on defense right now. I I'd give him about a quarter of the season. And then if you have to make a, a, a line of change, uh, maybe try to work love back in there. I don't know. Maybe then, but otherwise, Give him some time. Maybe he can have a breakout here within the next week or two, and and we would not have to worry about him in the line, starting lineup anymore. I'm all for it, but there will be a time probably later down the road once that calendar rolls around, and who knows? Maybe it's not moving him off this team. Maybe his role gets diminished once Ricky Rubio is fully right. healthy and comes back, and that's another element I'm excited about because this team really took off last year and, and really – people started to believe in them in the first two, two and a half months when Rubio was on the floor with Garland. And now to get him back after you, he was one of the pieces you traded for Karis Levert. I'm excited. Obviously I'm not putting a lot of expectation on him coming off his second ACL tear, but you're going to have an actual backup point guard to come off that can control the floor, control what you want to do offensively and defensively. And, um, I don't want to hope these 79 games go quick because I want to get to the playoffs already, but, I am excited just to kind of simulate up to a point where he comes back. 
and see what this team really looks like once everyone's healthy. I'm excited to see the Cavs play Wednesday. I'll be at the uh, the field house to see them take on the Orlando Magic. And uh, Paolo Benchero, the top pick from the last year's mm-hmm. draft, is going to be in the starting lineup, uh, assumedly. And uh, that'll be a good one. Tickets are like $6 right now, as low as $6 yeah. right now, it says. So, you know, if, if you can get them, snatch them up. Uh, we'll come back after this break. When we get back, we'll go into our final sport of the week or this episode this week. Uh, we have two episodes this week. Um, stay tuned right after this. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Her access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget, guaranteed to be hot and crispy, or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today, only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Finnell and Mitchell Bala. I lost my cell phone. I'll figure out where it is and eventually. Um, Mitch, we wanted to go into our last segment, kind of covering the stuff we didn't get to cover in the first three. I mean, I, I don't want to spend too long on college football, if that's okay with you, because the only thing that happened for us this week is that Ohio State proved how terrible Iowa's offense is uh, in that huge blowout victory. I, I was a little nervous after the first half because Ohio State only put up 26 and then once I got up to four, I'm like, this game's over. Uh, now they got a tough game, though, going up against Penn State uh, on Halloween weekend. So we'll see how they do there. Some upsets, though, this week. Um, Ole Miss lost to LSU and UCLA lost as well. So those two top 10 teams that uh, get bounced uh, from there. Of course, you got your Georgia's winning, Tennessee's winning, Tennessee's number three, man. I really, it's like good for those people in Knoxville. Now it's not good. Well, 
come December when we might see them in the playoff. But for now, good to see them back in serious contention for once. Otherwise, kind of a another boring week. Uh, Syracuse should have beat Clemson. That's my big thing. It just ugh, Syracuse should have won, and I hate that they didn't. How does like? It's all. I don't want to say lucky because that term has really upset me over the past couple of weeks with a certain uh, professional team and their excuses when it comes to games. But it, it's really it. It's truly like Dabo Sweeney has this button he presses in some games, and Clemson just somehow pulls games out of their butt. And I mean, you bench your highly five-star quarterback at the time in DJ Uyungale, and you put in a true freshman. And he wills you back to beat Syracuse, and it. it it's like Clemson's getting lucky, Mitch, because obviously they have to execute some plays and make some plays down the stretch. And and Clemson did that this past weekend to beat Syracuse. But man, oh man, I firmly believe if this Clemson team was in the Big Ten or in the SEC, they're you're not even considering them for the college football playoff. And I don't know if they'd even be in the top three or four in the SEC or the top one or two in the Big Ten. Yeah, I gave Will Shipley most of the credit for that one. 172 rushing yards, two touchdowns, one of them a 50-yarder to give them the lead and keep it there. As far as the standings go in the playoff, or as of now, and I'm looking at this as we speak, and I just clicked on standings instead of rankings, which is annoying. Yeah, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, and then Michigan. Michigan is starting to worry worry me. Uh, the way they beat Penn State, 41-17, to and we're going to have to play Penn State, obviously, this coming week. So that gives me a little more confidence in that game. But when it comes to Michigan, I'm like, oh, boy. And then I just you get Clemson and Alabama right behind them there. Again, I'm not I'm not counting Alabama out at this point, because if they run up the schedule and get to the SEC title game and do something, they're back in it automatically. Um, they've always had that benefit. Not not to say that, like, Alabama's always had the benefit of the playoff. I'm not trying to say that because. I don't know, but especially when we get into this expanded playoff here pretty soon, Alabama's never going to have to worry about missing the playoff. It feels like unless they lose like four games to get to like drop out of the, what would be 16 at that point or yeah. uh, not 16, uh, 12, 12. Yeah. Like I just feel with the, the strength of their conference with the way that they play and then the, the talent they can get in recruiting, you could lose three games in a season. If you're Alabama, and you could, I don't know about that, maybe maybe two maximum. And then you could still get in with, with relative ease. It's not like you would be like the last one in. I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. And they will have the benefit of the doubt to still make it because they don't have to face Georgia or Tennessee again until the SEC championship. Now, Bama slips up and loses again somewhere. Who knows? We could be in a completely different situation. But Tennessee and Georgia have to play each other during the regular season. And that winner will ultimately catapult themselves up to the SEC championship game where they will probably play Alabama. And then if Bama wins that, Mitch, you are talking about a spot where Bama is going to leap back into the top four because they would have a win over either a team that's already beaten them on the road or a team that's undefeated in Georgia. And so we'll have to wait and see. But I think the fascinating thing here is we're eight days away. Tuesday, November 1st is the first college football playoff ranking show. And so everybody that does get out, been out of shape, and I'm one of them with the AP poll, this could look completely different. We could be talking about maybe Tennessee's ranked number one, maybe Ohio State's number one, maybe Alabama is number six or seven. We don't know. Am I going to be shocked if Bama's four? No. Like if, if the poll comes out next week, Mitch, would I be shocked if it's three SEC teams in Ohio State? No, I wouldn't because we know there's SEC bias, but 
Heading into next week, we have one more slate of games, and really this is Ohio State's first big test this upcoming weekend where they'll go to Happy Valley and play Penn State at noon. It will not be a night game. What would your top four look like for the college football playoff? It doesn't really seem like it's very different from the AP. Like it would be Georgia number one, Ohio State two. And then, you know, you, I could see some Michigan Michigan people making a case that they should be three over Tennessee, but Tennessee's gotten the more impressive victories mm-hmm. and uh, had a big win, blowout win last week. Um, I can't see Alabama ranked lower than sixth because right behind them is Oregon, who picked up, uh, or no, I'm sorry, right behind them is number seven, TCU, who is. Um, one of the last undefeateds. They're seven and zero. They've beaten four consecutive ranked opponents in Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma, and eh, Oklahoma State. And um, I just clicked on the last one here and I missed it. Uh, Kansas State, who beat Oklahoma. So those are four quality victories in the Big Twelve. Problem is, you're playing in the Big Twelve compared yeah. to the other ones. Uh, you could beat, and and that's the thing. You don't have any other ranked opponents after this week. You have West Virginia, Texas Tech. Texas, Baylor, and Iowa State. I should say ranked as of now. Maybe one of these teams jumps up in the next couple of weeks, but it's unlikely. Um, yeah, they they don't have that benefit of of taking on a team that can be considered a quality as quality a win as Ohio State might have this week against Penn State or uh, Georgia has coming up soon against Tennessee. So. That's where it stinks for them. Or Oregon, Oklahoma State, out, out. Wake Forest, out. USC, maybe, probably not. Ole Miss, out after this week. Um, but yeah, that's that's it's just going to be the same five or six teams, I think, listed. I'd put Alabama over Clemson right now. I'd put Clemson yep. at six, number five, Alabama, number four, Michigan, Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia. That's where I would put them. 100%. And TCU is one of the, is the sixth undefeated team inside the top 25 here heading into week eight or nine, nine. And listen, if they do run the table and they finish undefeated, you're going to, you have to look at it this way. Ohio state, Michigan is going to have one loss because they play each other. If Bama goes to the sec championship game and loses, you would have to take TCU and catapult them over Bama, no matter what, because we saw it last year with Cincinnati, they will reward a team going undefeated now over a two loss team that doesn't win a conference title. And so maybe TCU is that team that makes the first appearance in their school's history in the college football playoff, but we don't know. There's so much more football left to be played. It's interesting. I can't wait to see what happens, but Ohio state has to handle business this week, Mitch, because there's only two games that really worry me. Um, I, I call me a Homer. I firmly believe they are the top one or two team in the country. Um, I don't see them losing, but, this is their first true road test. They've only played one road game so far, and it was at Michigan State. They handle business there. Can they go to a place where they've had their season ruined before and had some nightmares? Granted, it's usually always a night game. Can they go handle business this week against Penn State and really run the table until they play Michigan again? I'm not worried about Michigan like you are, um, just because it's in Columbus, and I do think that Ohio State kind of slept walk in there last year and give Michigan credit. They played their best game all year. Yeah. Um, but I'm intrigued to see if TCU can run the table. I don't think Clemson is a top four team. I know they're undefeated. Um, I would be floored. Like I would fall off this chair to the floor if they are one of the top four teams next week when the uh, rankings come out, assuming no, all the teams ahead of them stay undefeated. They won't be. Um, but it, it that is when we can start getting into the debate because that is what matters. The AP poll matters a little bit because they use that in determining where these teams should be. But 
the reason I don't get so bent out of shape is because the college football playoff poll is the only one that matters. And we've seen it before and you can be five or six like Ohio state was the one year and they throttled Wisconsin in the big 10 championship game hopped over. I believe it was Baylor got in there and they won the whole thing in 2014. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but we're coming down the stretch here where we're really starting to figure out who the real teams are versus the pretenders. But Mitch, I know it was an ugly loss in week one, but Oregon has completely just changed their season around and they got a big time win over UCLA this past weekend in Eugene, Oregon, in which they stopped Chip Kelly's undefeated UCLA team and they got a massive win. They jump up a spot in the poll to number eight now. Part of me thinks that there's a chance if they run the table and some of these other teams ahead of them lose, like we were just talking about for TCU's sake, could we see them? Would, if Georgia keeps it up and goes undefeated, would they even put Oregon in there at number four because they don't want to see that rematch again? But Oregon is a team that has completely changed the narrative of their season and their team, and they look dangerous now. Is it because they're in the Pac-12 and they're playing, you know, you maybe you say inferior opponents, possibly? We'll have to wait and see, but that is a team, Mitch, that is completely – I've had to rethink what I think about them because we take so much week in, week out with every single game played, and they look terrible the first week against Georgia. Yeah. But now they have a a top 10 win and now they've moved themselves back up and they're creeping up and you're going to see more teams fall. And you just wonder is, are the Oregon ducks a team that we counted out in week one and two, and maybe they find themselves back up here when the final poll comes out on Sunday, December 4th. I mean, the ducks do have two top uh, 25 wins against BYU in week three. And then uh, of course the UCLA win. they've averaged, uh, their last uh, was it one two three four five six games they've not yet failed to score 41 points or more uh 45 30 49 22 blah, 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 blah. and then you have these last five games against cal colorado washington you'll probably win those three number 14 utah in the in the penultimate regular season game on november 19th and then you get oregon state and and between oregon and um looking at the pac-12 uh standings here between Oregon and what it looks like USC, depending on how the USC UCLA games goes, I could see Oregon pulling one out against uh, the Trojans, who they do not play in the regular season uh, schedule. I take that back. I know I said Oregon out, blah, 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 out, out, out. You've convinced me. I, I'm changing my mind on that one. So I'm happy you did. Uh, as far as the rest of the stuff that we want to talk about, it's officially World Series time in baseball. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Now, obviously, our team is not in it, uh, which is unfortunate. But to make things even better, uh, one of my least favorite teams is now in the World Series this year. And, Mitch, I was going to buy, along with this Browns hat, a Phillies cap today, but they didn't have the one that I wanted. So all I was able to get was a Rocky Balboa shirt because Rocky Balboa, they, they love him so much in Philadelphia. They literally have a statue out there for him. Right out uh, was out. It was outside the spectrum. I think it's outside the new arena now. But uh, yeah, I'm all Phillies this series, man. I cannot take this Astros team anymore. I get that they embarrass the Yankees out of the playoffs, but I I can't do this anymore. This is four out of the last six pennants have gone onto a team that I, I even before I said it before before any of the cheating stuff came out. I just didn't like this team at all. I didn't like anything about them. I didn't like this this franchise. It just sort of just uh, tanked it for years on end. I know that, that that's sort of like the natural way to win a championship and people should commend them for it. But me, I was just like, no, no. And part of that was because uh, 
at the time there were some teams that I wanted to see win the World Series that the Astros ended up taking on. I wanted to see Washington win. I wanted to see Atlanta win. And that's a big thing too. Every single Astros defeat in the playoffs since 2016, 2017, Mitch, I don't know if you know this, has been at the hands of an East team, American League or National League. Yep, I, sh- I sure did. And that's my fact of the day, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that's a good thing. I maybe. mean, you're talking about the best team in the American League all year from start to finish. Now, the Yankees were incredibly hot to start the year going up against the hottest team in baseball, the Philadelphia Phillies. And that's that goes back to the whole point is you just got to get in. Just get into the playoffs and see what happens. And Bryce Harper, as they said on the call yesterday, with the swing of his life, sending the Phillies to the World Series. Yeah. The Phillies are fun. They really are. They're fun to watch. They hit home runs. They play They play the game hard. They play with a lot of emotion. I don't know how many bat flips and how many bat spikes we saw in the playoff run so far from, from them against the Cardinals. Um, I'm trying to get them the Braves and now the Padres, but you have the hottest team against the second best team probably in baseball all year and the best team for the American League in the Astros. I'm pulling for the Phillies. I can't root for the Astros at all. No, It yeah. was... So sweet to see them sweet the New York Yankees, though. Um, it was nice to see the uh, tickets yesterday for game four, the ALCS, as low as $17 to watch Aaron Judge's last game as a New York Yankee. And um, it was it was awesome to see that happen in the Bronx where the Yankee fans, you know, they were chanting. They wanted Houston. They got Houston and they were not ready for it. Um, and we're just a best of seven series away before all of a sudden we head into the offseason where it's going to be a frenzy for multiple teams in terms of head coaches, in terms of players. But first, got to crown a winner, and I am pulling for the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, me too. And look, just it's the fact that they they wait until game four to get the bats going, and then an error, of course, just sells it off completely. And this 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 that's an organization that just needs something changed. You can't change the players. You keep buying all the best players, or at least mm-hmm. the most highest-valued players. Is, is it managing? Is it the front? It has to be. It's either managing or it's the front office. And, you know, you can't fire. You can fire the front office. You can't fire ownership. You can fire the front office. But Brian Cashman has been there a long time. They're not. The Steinbrenners are not getting rid of him. Boone might be on his way out. I think this might have been the last straw in terms of disappointing playoff uh, opportunities. You, you barely beat the Guardians. And the Guardians, I think, would have put up a better fight against Houston, even if I they had gotten swept. Totally agree. I don't know if they would have gotten swept. I. I told you that had we won, I don't know if I could have taken them. Now, I probably would have sat here and told you, oh, yeah, the Guardians are going to beat the Astros somehow. But in reality, the Astros have been the best team. I think the Guardians could have put up a fight and probably won one, maybe two games, depending on how the rotation would have stacked up. But the way the Yankees lost that series, I think it's it'll be interesting to see what they do at the head coaching position because I wouldn't be shocked if Aaron Boone's out of there, but the Phillies, this is a team that fired Joe Girardi at the start of the season. Yeah. After the season started, now you have an interim coach that I don't know how you let him walk away. Yeah, Rob, Rob Thompson has done one heck of a job as the manager this year. And, and Girardi got off to a tough start. A lot of it was scheduling at the beginning of the year. You look back and they played some some tough uh, uh, setups at the beginning. But um, credit to him and credit to this Phillies team that has just come together to bring us some great stuff. Bryce Harper is worth the contract that they gave him. Mm-hmm. It seemed like such a, a, a funny twist of fate how the nationals went on to win the title their first year without him but now he's kind of made up for it and he's healthy he's swinging the bat well uh that could be a career defining moment yesterday where he hits that go ahead home run to come back against san diego and 
Ah, man, I mean, I didn't. It's not even really that I'm like, it's not with the because I got I got annoyed with the Phillies around like 2009 when it was that team with Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee and all them getting back to back to back to the World Series and then getting to the the year, the first year the Giants won. I wanted the Giants to unseat them as the NL champs and then they did. And the Phillies just kind of had this decade of meh in terms of the, mm-hmm. the roster. And now they seem to have gotten something back on track. And it's been very fun to watch them so far. They have been a very fun team to watch. Going to be hard to beat a team, though, that hasn't lost in the postseason yet. I don't know if this – I'm trying to look up. I was. I should have looked up before the show if any team has just swept through the playoffs before. Has any team ever just swept the MLB postseason? Because the Astros uh, – What's that? I said, if I'm not mistaken, I think in 07, the Rockies swept their way to the World Series, right. but then got swept. They they mentioned on the game last night, the Rockies swept the first two series, got swept, and then the 2014 Royals got to the World Series and lost in seven games to the Giants. So one of the the that was one of the World Series where like everybody went into it like, oh, this this series sucks. Yep. These, these teams again, or not even again, I guess because Kansas City was the first time there in a while. San Francisco's third appearance. In five years and then it turned out to be one of the best series ever yeah with, with one of the most exciting game sevens we've had in recent memory so oh it says um uh, what does it say it said the cincinnati reds have been the only team since playoff expansion with a clean sweep oh it's 1976 they won the nl nlcs and then swept the world series yeah that, that's the only team yeah. that's that's actually fascinating to me yeah, so there you go. That's my fact of the day. Mitch, what is your fact of the day? Mitch, my fact of the day is in Switzerland, it is illegal to own just one guinea pig because guinea pigs are considered very social animals. So you actually have to have two guinea pigs, if not more, anytime you want to pet guinea pig. I'm surprised it doesn't apply to other animals in, uh, what did you say, Sweden? Switzerland. Switzerland, excuse me. Um yeah, because like you see dogs and they're like some of the most social animals, yeah. maybe not to each other, but definitely to other humans. Uh, cats kind of vary as someone who's owned cats in his life. You had some good ones. You had some not as social ones. Uh, that's fascinating to me, though, specifically guinea pigs. Uh, before I make the shot, remind you guys, uh, YouTube, like, share, subscribe, hit the bell and share the video if you want to on on whatever social platform you have. Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can also uh, check us out. BigTimeSportsOhio.com. That's uh, BTS Ohio on Twitter, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala. Here's my final shot. I'm not even going to look at it. Thanks for watching this episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. <laughs>